Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys. I am happy uh, to be here with you, and uh, it's gonna it's gonna be a, a good morning. So, those that are online, we're we're so uh, we're so proud of you. We just love you where you're at, and um, I'm just so thankful that we really have been stewarding these dreams and these different uh, prophetic words that the Lord said that fires are gonna be on our homes as just the community of Bethel Atlanta. So I'm just so encouraged that you're here with us today and we just bless you as we just hear the, the word. All right, so I would love for you guys to, we're gonna, we're gonna read a lot of scripture this morning. Um, I'd love you to turn to Romans 5. You can also put something in Genesis 1 and 2. And then we're probably gonna end up in Galatians. So <clears throat> those are where we're gonna be. All right, I, I have felt this just, uh, I don't know what else to, to call it, but just a, a fresh uh, experience, a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. Just it's been about, it's been about two, two and a half months that I've just felt that just the Holy Spirit resting on me. And, and I know anytime he does it, it's actually for, it's, it's more than that. And I feel like it's actually for us. And I feel like he's going to fall today as a, uh, we just, we preach. And what I want to do is go back to the, the foundation of the gospel. Go back to the foundation of the cross. And, um, yeah. So, uh, just so you, you know a little bit about me, there, um, you know, I, I loved getting a call when I was 16 just from the, the, the Holy Spirit just feeling this call that, hey, Justin, you have a call to preach the gospel. You have a call to be a pastor. I started pastoring when I was 19. I've been pastoring for 20 years now. And what's interesting about my journey is uh, when I was in first grade, you know, uh, pastoring and, and, and longing to teach the word, you, 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 you have some needs that you need to do to teach the word. And so when I was in first grade, uh, my, my mom got calls from my teachers and said, hey, something's really wrong with Justin. Uh, he can't read or spell. And so I went through all these uh, classes. I ended up doing first grade twice. Anybody ever done a grade twice? That's real fun. And uh, they diagnosed me with uh, severe dyslexia. They said your, your ability to, to, to read... Um, will just not be there. Your ability to spell will not be there. And again, I had very encouraging parents that were so gracious to me. And, you know, they pulled out all the awesome uh, people from history who've had dyslexia. And just really now that we know so much more about it itself, that, um, that there's parts of me in the way that I learn that people that, that naturally read and write um, don't experience. And so I, I do know there's a blessing, but then also being called to be a preacher, being called to, to um, bring clarity through the word, you need to be able to read. You can laugh. I, I, am, I am great with this. And 
So I'm gonna read a lot of scripture today. I want you to follow along because if I miss a word or fill in a word, you have the word in front of you. <laughs> and uh, you can just uh, be there with me. So I, I saw a picture uh, three weeks ago uh, when I, I was praying with our, with our core team and uh, I saw this picture of these trees with massive fruit on them. And I love to be in fruitful seasons. I love to be in the seasons where the gospel is, is being simply clarified and people are receiving Jesus for the first time. I love to be in seasons where you're seeing blind eyes healed and we're seeing people, you know, I've seen two people that were pronounced dead um, and just in comatose states come out of comas after the doctor said there's no way. And so the dead raised. You know, we, we've seen so much amazing things when it comes to signs, wonders, and miracles. I just feel so honored to be in this time, in this season. It feels, it feels we're so rich that I, I've talked to so many people, you know, in the past. They're like, I've never seen one miracle, and we've been going after them for 30 or 40 years. And I love the season of fruit that we've been in. Uh, and so I saw these trees with all these fruit, and then... You know, we stepped into 2020 and I, and I saw these uh, trees that were fully naked. They had no leaves on them. They had no, tree, they had no fruit on them. They were just bare. And I, I'm so thankful that, that I, I came from uh, Northern California. I believe, you know, I've got to go a few places in my life and I still believe it's the most beautiful place I've ever been. So, it, which is in the heart of the redwood trees. The redwood trees were literally in my backyard. And we just spend time in these redwood forests. And what the, the beauty about redwood trees is what makes them the tallest trees in the world is actually that their root systems don't go very, very deep. They go very wide and they actually um, intertwine with the other root systems of the other trees next to them, which allows them to grow so tall. And... We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna talk about, again, the simplicity of the gospel, but, but I want to actually tie it to connectedness with us as the body of Christ, as those that are in Christ, that are new creations. And so let's start in Romans 5. You know, before we go there, because I want to build a foundation for you guys, I actually would love to go to Genesis. Sorry, let's go to Genesis 1. And so Genesis 1, which Genesis 1 and 2 are, 1, 2, and 3 are foundations for us as believers. We get clarity into who we are um, in God. And so the very first well, just a huge part of who we are as believers. It says in Genesis 1:31, and God saw everything that he made and behold, it was very good. Everybody say very good. And there was evening and there was morning. This was the sixth day. And so God created all things. And in that, everything was good at that, at that time. And in this goodness, he created male and female in his image. And so Genesis, which, which there's a, 
uh, just to, to create a, a clear stamp on what that means is it's called original goodness. There is an original goodness in the context of every single thing that God created. He created it good. It's good. This is before sin entered the world. And then there's this other thing called original design, which means that God's design for mankind, he created them, and it says this in verse, Genesis 1, verse 27. So God created man in his image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. So there's this original goodness that we're all, we all partake in when you look and see this world. That there's beauty, there's beauty that you were created in the image of God. Every single person that has ever been born was made into his image and his likeness. So we're image bearers, all of us. And so we have original goodness and original design. And then something happens. And so this so in Genesis 2, 16 and 17, it says, and God, pardon me, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree in the garden, everything, partake of every tree, but, butts are really big in the scriptures. If you don't look at the big butts in the scriptures, you're probably gonna come up with some weird theology. I like big butts. All right, so, Sorry. It was just there. All right. But the tree, going back to trees, did you know that trees were the second most um, organism? I think it's an organism. I mean, my science brain doesn't work. I'm still getting over COVID. All right. So I'm way past quarantine, people. So all those, like, like I'm like, I'm like 40 days or something anyway. Um, so in this... Uh, in this butt, so trees, trees are second to mankind. They're the most um, other living thing talked about in the scriptures. So he says, but this one tree, he says this, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And so what happens, we know what happens in Genesis 3. If you read the Bible, please read the Bible. Oh, I wanted to say this. I am talking to believers today. I am talking to people that are in Christ. I am talking to those that know. And if you don't know Jesus, it's a great day to know him. But I want to set a foundation. There's moments where we love to share the gospel and talk to, to unbelievers and proclaim that. But most of you in here probably are saved. And so if you're not, again, we'll, we'll give time for you to meet Jesus for the very first time. So I want to lay that foundation because it's what church is for. Church is for the gathering around the presence of God to worship him. And then the, the fivefold is supposed to come in and train and equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, which is to bring the kingdom where they're at. This is the job. This is what church is for. And I, and I love it when people bring people to church. That's great. But more than that, be the church where you're at and lead people to Jesus. This is, this, is, this, is, this is the great commission. We're all supposed to do that. But Sunday morning is for you primarily as believers. Again, I love it when we bring people to church that don't know them because they can meet them here too. So in that, 
So what happens is original sin gets, gets um, impregnated, get, becomes where our seed was originally in original goodness. It became original sin, where sin actually consumed mankind from that time forward. Sin overwhelmed us because, and you know what's so interesting? So we're gonna talk about sin today and people love to, to, to debate around sin and is this good, is this bad and, and all these things. And we're not gonna spend much time in the, in the area of sanctification and growing in Christ today. But I do just wanna say this to you that it's interesting that the very first sin and again, it's so much deeper this, and I'll say it in a minute, was a fruit that they weren't supposed to eat. He simply said, all this is for you. Don't do this one thing. He put one boundary, one, in all of Eden, heaven on earth. Eden was a picture in a place of heaven on earth where Adam and Eve walked hand in hand in the cool of the day with God. This is what heaven is gonna be for us um, but we know, we now see it through the new covenant, see it through Christ. And so, so they ate of the tree and sin entered the world and corrupted this seed. And so now what man and woman could only produce was sin. And so let's turn now to uh, uh, Romans 5. And let's just dive straight in. So uh, there's some legal language and then some relational language that will show up so much. Anytime you see the word justification, it's legal language. And I'll explain it here in a moment. But it, it, it's, it's language that allows us to see where we were, to see our deadness. And then it's what made us alive through the death and burial of Jesus Christ. So it says there in verse one, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have obtained um, access by faith into grace. And so I love this. Paul comes out of, um, Paul just, just, you know, he is just a wild horse. And I, and I love Paul. He's one of my, my, my favorite um, authors of the Bible. And in Paul, you know, what's so interesting about Paul, you got to remember, who is Paul? First, he was a Pharisee of Pharisee. He was actually in charge of the genocide of Christians. This was Paul, right? His name was Saul. And so in that, he, he went around killing Christians. He was at uh, Stephen in Acts 7. He was at Stephen's death, lording over the death, the first martyr, the first martyrdom that happened in Acts 7 when they stoned Stephen and Stephen's spirit went up to be with Christ. Um, he was part of that. So, which is just fascinating, especially in some of the context that I'm, I'm gonna bring. So he gets radically saved. And at first, the, the, the believers, the brothers, the, the apostles were super afraid of him. <laughs> Rightfully so. The, the man who was leading a genocide against them is now with them? Am I sure? Because I better make sure my sure is sure. Because if my sure is not sure, there's a big consequence, which is death. So here's who's writing. So, um, 
So he, he brings up justification by faith through grace. And I love this whole um, experience because uh, in Genesis, I mean, in, um, in Romans 1, he is actually pronouncing um, that, you know, what sin had done and the depravity that was going on um, in Rome to the Romans where they're giving themselves male to male, female to fail, just the depravity that was happening in um, that time. And then he is going, the very next chapter, which is uh, Romans two, he goes into saying, which is so fascinating, you. So he gets everybody real upset about something that's happening in the day and age which is men having sex with men, women having sex with women. They're ultimately uh, drunkards. They're all these horrible things. And then he goes in the next section talking to the Pharisees and talking to believers. And he says, but the problem is, is you judge them for what they do, but you do it too. You may not be having sex with other men as a man, but guess what? You're in the closet looking at porn. You're doing all this other stuff. You're lusting after other women. And again, so what he's doing, he's, he's like, he's like, bam! <laughs> to the Gentiles, but then he goes back to, if you're, a, if you're a, you know, a Jew in this time, you've done it too. And his whole point is to rattle us into knowing that original sin... We needed a savior for. Okay. So he says, he, he, he points out that it's not on the point of your righteousness or your goodness that you've received this grace by faith. And don't we love grace? Because grace is actually what God did to cancel the debt that we all owed because of our sin. And then it's through our faith. And what is faith? It's simply believing God. The whole previous chapter is uh, Romans 4, when it's all about before the law had even come and before Christ had came, that, that Abraham was counted as righteous because of what? Faith, he believed God. Abraham, before the law came, and the law points out, you are all sinners, I am a sinner. Before that came, Abraham was still justified by his faith, by his believing in God. And so, um, uh, verse three, not only that, um, that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. Is what you're experiencing in 2020 and 2021 producing hope in you? Or is it producing fear that leads to condemnation or judgment? What is it producing? <clears throat> And hope does not put to shame because God's love, thank you, Jesus. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit whom, who has been given to us. Keep on reading. 
this whole thing that I'm going to talk about is a love message today. We know it's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. But we have to go to the very root of who we are to actually be able to get ourselves above water in this season. And so, for while we were still weak at the right hand, did you know that Paul was a master at embracing his weakness? I don't know a lot of charismatic Christians who are masters at embracing their weaknesses. I love the identity message. I am firm in it. I've been a pastor at Bethel for, I think, 17 years. You guys, we love the identity message. But there is something that in your weakness, Christ is made strong and perfect. Why? Because the roots that we're going into to actually intertwine with one another is I need you. It's something that the church has forgotten. I need the person on my right and left, the person who doesn't look like me, act like me, but believes in the foundation of who Jesus is. I need you. I cannot do this alone. This is why in John 13 and 14, over and over, he's saying, they, the world will know. They will know how, by the way, you love one another. But in the way that we love one another, most of what I see right now is judgment. Most of what I see. The challenge is we don't need flaky grace. We don't need flaky love. We also don't need condemning truth. These things have never once divorced from one another. They are one because of who Jesus is. He is both grace, truth, and love. He is the embodiment of that, not our beliefs of that, but who he is. He is it. All right. I love you guys so much. I'm just, all right. So while we were still weak, at at that time, Christ, I'm in verse six, Christ died for the ungodly. For one would um, surely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person, one may dare even to die. But God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Some of us have been in the church for so long, we need the religion kicked out of us. And how we kick it out, one of the ways is knowing your identity as sons and daughters in Christ. And one of the others is knowing that you were also an enemy of God. You, me, enemies, pretty strong word, huh? But why is it helpful? Why is this all helpful? Because the only way forward is through humility right now. If anything you are doing is lacking humility, you're probably puking on a whole bunch of other people. Because everything started in that place where God bankrupted heaven to give us God on earth, which was Jesus, to live a perfect life and die for sinners. Like we've water, we've, it's somehow, we've almost, we've, we've taken things like, um, um, 
um, the final work of the cross and actually forgot that we started out in sin. <laughs> All of us. Not, there's no exception except Jesus. All right. We're going to get there. We're going to get to Romans 8. There is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. But if you don't remember this sometimes, you get weird. You start partnering with the demon of religion, thinking it's going to bring justice to the world. All right. My deep breaths are jokes. All right. So, love it. Love it. All right. For while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have been justified by his blood, justification comes, which means that I was a sinner and there was nothing I could do to forgive myself of sin. And Jesus came and lived a perfect life, died on the cross so that I could be made right. I could be justified. It's a legal account that God that is holy cannot be in the presence of unholy in the context of us as sinners for eternity. And we needed a savior, but we have a savior. And there's only one thing that forgives sin, which is the blood of Jesus. There's only one thing that makes people whole is the blood of Jesus. There's only one thing that allows us to walk out the process, the growth of sanctification. It's Jesus because we're in right relationship with him, not because of what I have done, but because of what he has done. And now I get to live this life of faith to actually get to where we want to go, which is called reigning in life which is all the things that we preach, which is signs and wonders will follow those who believe. But if we don't go back to the foundation and know how this all happened, we get real weird. Guys, I've been heartbroken. What's happened, especially the last 12 years in this one context of people deconstructing their faith, they can deconstruct the blood of Jesus, the cross right out of faith, which then means they are apostate. They are not of God. There's only one way to be in God, in heaven, which is through the blood of Jesus and his resurrection. Only one way, one way. There's no other fuzzy ways. Love without the cross is death because it's not love. It's not the love of the Bible. Same with truth though. And how many of you have been beat up in church with how bad you are for so long, smacked around to say to get better? Well, the same transformative power, which is only in following Christ, sanctification, which means we're walking from one glory to another glory, only comes through following Jesus, which looks like discipleship. Because we get weird when we're not discipled. There's, uh, you guys, the reason I'm picking on us is because it's us. <laughs> we can talk about all the other things, which we'll talk about some of them. But you have to know where you're at, what your lenses you're seeing through. And you only see through your lenses. Okay, let's just keep on going. All right. Much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled. Everybody say enemies. enemies. Declaration, you ready? Declaration 101, we don't normally make in Bethel circles. I was an enemy of God. Because you were. Now we know the rest of the story. We can make all those declarations for the rest of history. But you don't want to forget this one. All right. 
We were reconciled. So now he gets into romance language. He gets into love language. He gets into connection language. He gets into this place of gentle love, not the law language of justification, but romance la language of reconciliation. I was gonna, I, we're not gonna have time. I was gonna dive into Hosea because I really wanted to bring Hosea up. Man, it's such a great thing. Hosea is a prophet that God says, go marry Gomer, a woman of whoredom. It's what the Bible says. I'm not being beat mad, bad up here. Whoredom. And then bring her in. Have a kid with her. Then it sounds like the other two kids are from adultery situations. No mercy and... I can't remember the other one right off the top of my head. I wasn't going to it. I'm going to go and do it briefly. And then... She sells herself because the God of Baal, which was a God that um, released, uh, that was thought to release um, um, a fertility to, uh, not sex, um, to sexuality, but also to uh, farming. It was actually to bless your crops, which was an agricultural age. So they're looking for their crops, their crops to be blessed. And so how the God of Baal would be worshiped is they would have Baal prostitutes that as you had intercourse with these prostitutes, it was gonna cause blessing to the land. So this was the perversion. So Gomer goes back and sells herself to whoredom. And it says that she also... Um, brings her children, which her children are then placed in, um, um, placed in sex slavery as sex slaves to the God of Baal. And then Hosea is told, now guess what? Because I'm such a God, sorry, that was gross. <laughs> Stay in there, buddy. That Hosea, he says in chapter three, go, go to your wife who is a prostitute. Bring her back through your love. This is how much I love my bride. This is how much I love my body, that I would do everything and anything for her, even in the midst of her deep sin. This is the romance. Happy Valentine's Day. This is reconciliation language. Therefore, just as sin came into the world, verse 12, the world through one man, death through sin, so death spread to all men because all sinned. We've already talked a lot about this. Let's skip down, which is original sin. Uh, verse 15, but the free gift is not like the trespass, for if... Many died through one man's trespass. Much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abound for many. And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin. For judgment followed one trespass, brought condemnation. And this is, you guys, if you're a believer and you're feeling condemnation, that's a devil. God did not bring condemnation. That is a devil. Sin did bring condemnation, but we have freedom from condemnation because of Christ and the cross. But the free gift following 
many trespass brought justification. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those receive the abundance of grace. Thank you for your grace. And um, the free gift of righteousness, reign in life. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Through the one man, Jesus Christ. I want to end today by talking a little bit about where we're at. You guys, we as Bethel Atlanta rally first and foremost around one thing. It's not Bethel Atlanta. It's not Bethel Reading. I've been so struck and you know, part of my heartbreak has been people destruct, destruct, destructing themselves right out of faith, right out of the understanding. And again, I actually don't theologically believe that you can do that. Um, but where they say they don't believe in Jesus Christ anymore. So that, that, that's been the personal, most heartbreaking thing. The only thing that makes you his body, his bride, it's not because of what you believe about race. It's not what you believe as a Republican or a Democrat. It's not what you believe as an American. It's not what you believe about economics. There is sin in all of our systems why? Because the body of Christ is still arising and shining in the midst of all the spheres of influence. And so right now, I see a bunch of brothers and sisters pointing their fingers at one another rather than, and guess what? We only come through our own lens. You see the world how you see the world. Because of what? Your family of origin, your experiences, whether you were raised uh, with the word of God, whether you were raised as a Christian, whether you were raised as an atheist. You, three, you see the lens of life through the way you've experienced life. And I've never experienced life the way you have. You're the only one. So one of the things I want to be able to ask one another in this crazy political season is ask each other, why do you think that? We've had people leave the church because of Republican stuff and Democratic stuff, Democrat stuff, in our church. <laughs> and, and we as leaders do not want to be ignorant of the day, and sometimes we've been. I remember one of our leaders took a knee one time just to pray about something, and somebody related that to Kaepernick and what he was doing. Like, so are you a church like this? For black and white stuff. Again, if you don't see sin in both, you've had to be blind. 
abortion is evil. I've heard people say, oh, we weren't sure if Bethel believed that abortion was wrong, so to honor you, we just didn't say anything. I'm like, that's not honor. That's weird. That's super weird. That's cultism. And so we want to be able to stand up here and stand up for righteousness, stand up for justice, stand up for love. But at the same time, why don't you ask each other some hard questions? And when you only rally around people who think exactly like you, you get screwed up. If I'm only around white people, I'm just going to have a very white perspective. If I'm only around black people or this culture, if I'm in Africa, wherever I'm at, Asia, I'm only going to get the lenses that the culture is experiencing. I came to the South and I felt like a fish out of water. I'm like, what do you all think? I had one of my pastor friends come to me. He's like, he calls me. He's like, this is before I moved here. He's like, Justin, I have a couple in my office that said, their daughter as a white woman was about to date a black man and he was gonna say how, and the, the, the family was saying how evil that was because black and white should not mix and have children. I'm like, talk about demonic. And this is where we get into Galatians, which is probably one of the most um, messed up interpreted scriptures in the whole Bible. And so we're gonna read it. <laughs> Love you all. But now that faith has come, I'm sorry, I should tell you where it's at, huh? Just in case I read it wrong, that'd be funny. So you want to know one other just horrible thing? Both, uh, I have a thing with Bibles. I lost a Bible in 2007, it broke my heart. It was at a Jesus culture event. I left it there and I couldn't get it. I bought the exact same Bible and I've had it now for, uh, since that time. And my Bible and Jen's Bible is on the same nightstand. They're both black. I grabbed her Bible today to preach. And my Bible is like so marked up. I mean, I draw signs and symbols. I'm a weirdo. Like this symbol means the gospel to me because I made it up. I don't know, just some weird thing. But I have like pictures of Holy Spirit and all these symbols. Because again, it's the way I think. It's through pictures mostly. And so I forgot my Bible. So I actually don't have the verse written down right here. It's, I think it's Galatians 3, uh, I think it's 328 uh, uh, is the real one, but let's just read it. We're going to start in verse uh, 25, and one of you Bible people are going to know it. It's the male or female, slave or free in Christ one. So whatever verse that is. Okay, I got it. But now faith, and I want, to, I want to set a stage here. This is all in a very similar context to Romans 5. It's actually talking about how we are made right in Christ. This is actually talking about what unifies us. There is only one thing that unifies us that can make me and you, can make a male and female, which are so different. If you've been married at all, we're so different. It's Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. You're different. And we know there's a crazy world that's doing a lot of crazy things right now and questioning original design, which is that you are created in the image of God, male and female. There's a bunch of confusion going on. We know all that. Again, I have a whole bunch of stuff on sex, and I've been said not to say sex so much on a Sunday, but I do anyway on accident. So... Yeah, I'm, I'm now preaching a different message. All right, so 
So this is in the context of not man and woman. This is not talking about original design. In this context, it's not talking about original design. I just want to let you know that. It's also not talking about original goodness. It's not talking about those theological staples of our faith. It's not talking about those in this passage. It's talking about that you have made, been made right with God and that you have a family. And guess what? The family looks way different than you. It's every tribe, every nation to ever exist will have experienced a form of grace and we still long for every tribe. We know that there's probably still tribes who maybe have not heard the name Jesus and him crucified. We long for that day. We long for that day as a mission movement keeps on going forth for people to experience all people. But this is the context. This is the context. It's not some people think it's about women in ministry. This right here is not. There's a whole bunch of other things about women in ministry and how it's biblical. This is not about black and white. This is not about slave or free. This is not about Jew. Again, they were coming out of the context of Judaism, which is an ism because it doesn't have Christ. But where the Torah came and where Christ entered, everything shifted, which then put a stamp in history that then God built upon. And nothing about the law was forsaken. It was just fulfilled in Christ. So this is the context. It's about you and me as believers. All right, I think I overdid it, but that's it. For in Christ Jesus, you are sons of God through faith. For as many of you were baptized. Thank you for the baptism that spiritual experience that, that we are cleansed from sin and made righteous and that we all get that moment of you, Father, looking at us and saying, this is my beloved son and daughter in whom I'm all pleased. Been baptized into Christ, put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek there is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. Again, right here, this is, this is a big doctrinal statement where people believe that sexuality is whatever you think now because of this verse. This is not what it's saying here. Do you make it up? Again, I'm preaching to the church here. I love, I've spent so much time as, as a counselor with people who are, who are walking out same-sex attracting, I love to do it. I, I've met many of them for hours in my office to, to walk them through that. Such a hard, tormenting experience. So is lust in just the heterosexual way. It's tormenting. For you are all in Christ, and if you are in Christ, I love it, if you are in Christ, there's only one way to be in Christ, it's through all the things we just said, then you are Abraham's offspring and heir. I'm just gonna read this real quick. The context is justification by faith, not through works. For the law, but, this is me, but faith in Jesus Christ to those who believe in him. We are one body, one family, one bride. 
You, you want to divide over something? This is the only thing worth really dividing over. Because the church, the denominational church, is, makes me want to puke too. We divide over so many things in the name of our freedom as Americans. We are, Bethel is not Bethel first. We are first here called to be a, a community of believers that walks alongside other community of believers, that go to other churches for the sake of Georgia, for the sake of Atlanta, for the sake of Tyrone to bring the kingdom. We do not divide. Division, you keep on reading. You go into right before the fruit of the spirit is a bunch of, if you are this, which is sinners, and it goes into divisions, fractions. It has all these sins that it lists. We as Protestant Christians have been the king of sinning in this way, of dividing. And do I think there's good things to provide over? Yes, justification by faith. Again, when, when the Nicene Creed happened right after that, and the first Catholic church, which again meant believers, would come together, Eastern Catholics and, and Western Catholics. And the Western Catholics got weird. They took the apostolic thing way too far. Where the Pope, his words were on word of, of, of God's words. That's, that's garbage. That is heresy. No word of a father usurps Jesus Christ in his word, which is the Bible. So the, the Eastern Catholic said, we can't be a part of this. And they said, okay, we're going to kill you. First holy war. This is history. Right now we're in a different type of war and it's ridiculous. I want to stand up for all the same things that probably you want to stand up. But if you ever ask somebody on different sides of thinking, first ask them, Why? I've heard people say, yeah, I'm way over. Like we love to make bad guys. Guess what? Who started out as enemies? Got it. (laughs) We did. Now we love to make out bad guys. I've heard so many people, because I'm on my stream, Again, I've been so impacted by someone who's a hero in my life. His name is Lou Engel. I remember the first time I met him. First time I heard him preach, I got a new prayer language. And I'd had one for a long time. Got a whole new prayer language. Crazy, just awesome experience. But I care about abortion so much. I've had girls in my office. I've walked with family through um, them murdering their own children through abortion. Now say it like it is. And I've had a girl in my office this one day who, who's like, I got pregnant and I'm having abortion. I'm scared. I was a youth pastor for many years. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, help. She was scared. She was so scared. You talk to most people who have had an abortion. The experience in their life, what was going on in that moment, whether it was rape or incest or any of those things, which are so horrible. We know that Christ can bring wholeness to the life that they have in their womb. But in that, talking about walking out pain, and I've heard my friends of mine say ridiculous things like, if you voted for Biden, you are not a Christian and a baby killer. <laughs> and then you, you talk to some of them. 
people. Telling the African-American people just to get over it. Get over it. It's done. Come on, it's done. What's wrong? Talk to them. Actually walk up to them and ask them a question. How do you experience being black in America? Just ask them. They should just be over it. This is all so long ago. So long ago. Do you know how sin works in the, in the, in the category of um, um, family of origin? <laughs> and again, us walking out healing, it takes healing. It takes healing. And yes, there has been some strides that our beautiful country has made. And then there's been some disgust that our country has made. And I'm proud to be an American. But again, if my pride surpasses the scripture and justification and Jesus Christ on the cross, it is pride. And God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He opposes you. If your Americanism goes above Christianity, it's garbage. It's garbage. If my anything, if my love for my wife goes above Jesus, it's idolatry. Idolatry. Again, and we love to throw out bad guys. I've talked to so many people that grew up in socialist nations. Are you ready? I'm here now. They're like, oh, it's just great to have healthcare. That's their mindset of it. Do I think that capitalism is a better man-made structure to serve a free place? Yes. <laughs> but what we love to do is make it evil. We've loved, this is what the Catholic Church did to the Eastern Orthodox, I mean, the Eastern Catholic Church. They made them the bad guys. We love, as believers, holding the, the sword of law and religion and killing each other with it. History is made up of that. Yes, but we are built on some beautiful principles too. But if we can't look at both sides of the coin, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? So let's come back to the simplicity of the cross. And I'm gonna fight for what I believe needs to happen in this nation. And many of you are called to different spheres of influence that I will never be called to. Some of you are, excuse me, teachers right now. Some of you are in the political sphere. And I bless you. It doesn't mean you stand up for what you believe, but you make sure you do it through humility. You make sure you come through that. So come through that. Come through the cross with me to a risen Lord that wants us to disciple a nation. He actually wants us to not only disciple life on life, brother on brother, sister on sister. He wants us to see a nation saved. Saved. I long to see the salvation of America. I also long to see salvation of Europe and Asia and Africa. And right now what's going on in, in Asia is just incredible. Under communism, Jesus Christ. I'm so heartbroken that it most of the time takes us getting the stuff kicked out of us as believers before martyrdom. This is why, guys, we talk about revival so much. But in history, I have never seen historically it be passed to three generations. And I'm sure maybe somebody can show me. 
Solomon was closest and he screwed it up at the end. We are a Solomon generation right now. We have an opportunity to see all these prophetic words come actually true in a nation, to a people. But it's gonna take us going back and forth one to another. And sometimes just simply ask, tell me your story. Discipleship, I want life on life. When I'm only seeing through my perspective, it's skewed. I wanna see first through this perspective and then through the perspective of one another, brothers. And again, if you walk up to somebody and you're like, they're like, I don't believe in Jesus. Well, then take them at a grain of salt. And then offer the gospel. Because that's why you're here. I know, it was horrible. That's why you're all leaving. I'm teasing, I know. I know everybody's getting their kids. I have one. I have one. I have four. All right. So there at the end, I said a bunch of unguarded statements. And I love it. Because we, our foundation is this, guys. I care about all this. I care about it deeply. But we have to first go through this to be actually bring reformation, to bring revival to this. And I can't be ignorant. I hated Facebook for a long time. I still have a real hard time with it. It feels like one of the biggest divisive things that the enemy's using. But I know it can be used for good. Again, quote C.S. Lewis, my favorite quote other than anything Jesus said or the Bible, is badness is just spoiled goodness. Because there is an original goodness. There's original goodness. Yes, and in that goodness, people need a savior so they can actually experience to be born again, which is not natural. We all need to become these seeds. So I'm talking to you as the church, stand up with me. And I just wanna end praying for a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit because this is what this is gonna take. This is what this is gonna take. Everybody say, I'm okay. All right, just put your hand on your heart. Jesus, I'm so thankful to be part of a community like this. To be part of a community like this, who wants to give their life first and foremost to you. To to not only experience salvation, which there's nothing. (laughs) Your cross is what allows us to stand up and be righteous believers who get to imitate you, our lover, who get to follow you and link arms one another with brothers and sisters to see cities saved, to see other people saved, to see people healed, to see people delivered. We thank you for healing and deliverance over our nation. We thank you that fear does not lead us towards America, towards Georgia, but faith leads us as believing believers. And we say right now, we put nothing, nothing before you. I boast only in the cross of Jesus Christ that then allows me to bring all these kingdom realities. And so I'm so thankful for a body that's going after this. We're so thankful for people at home watching today that are going after this. And we just say, 
because you arose and you shone, you, you shined. That's not correct English. <laughs> you allow us to arise and shine. You allow us to set the captives free. You allow us to bring justice and, and reconciliation and hope where there's no hope. And you allow us to stand up in the seven molders, the things that um, create society from teachers to politicians to mothers, to doctors, to grocery workers, and bring the kingdom of heaven. Thank you, Jesus. And so I just look at you and say, go be the church, but be a unified church that doesn't split over weird things, secondary weird things, but is firmly grounded in Jesus Christ and him crucified. And now what we get to... Um, walk out in abundance in him and actually reign in life. So we love you so much. Um, Yeah, bless you guys. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.